As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're breaking up. You kind of sound like that episode where Finn's like, hey, Jake, you remember that time I swallowed those, that little, uh, <laughs> that little robot? Now I can sing an auto tune. This is the Wheel of Time Spoilers Podcast. Your hosts are Seth Jacobson and Patrick Heiner. Hi, I'm Seth. And I'm Patrick. Because we are here to talk about Chapter 41, The Craft of Kin Tavir. And our symbol is the rising sun of Kyria. I gotta say, I love chapters about making stuff. The, the chapters where Rand like goes to the school and the steam engines and where we're talking about building the cannons and like building the tower and using telescopes, basically, mm-hmm. so you can channel further is just brilliant, although it does make you somewhat of a target, which we'll see later. But I just I, this is one of my favorite sort of world building chapters when Rand goes and visits craftsmen. Yeah. One hand on his sword hilt the other holding the green and white tasseled length of Shan Shan's spear. Rand ignored the others on the sparsely treed hilltop for a moment, while he studied the three camps spread out below in the mid-morning sun. Three distinct camps, and that was the rub. They were all the Kyrianan and Terran forces at his disposal. Every man else who could use a sword or spear was penned in the city, or light alone knew where. The Aiel had rounded up refugees and hordes between the Jangai Pass and here, and a few had even straggled in on their own, lured by rumors that these Aiel at least were not killing everyone in sight, or else too dispirited to care as long as they had a meal before dying. Too many thought they would die, at the hands of the Aiel, or the Dragon Reborn, or in the last battle, which they seemed to think was shaping up for any day now, a goodly number altogether, but farmers and craftsmen and shopkeepers for the most part. Some knew how to use bow or sling or fetch a rabbit, but there was not a soldier in the lot and no time to teach them. The city of Kyrian itself lay little more than five miles to the west, some of the fabled topless towers of Kyrian visible above the intervening forest. 
The city sprawled across hills, hard by the river Alguenya, encircled by Kuladin Shido and those who had joined him. One haphazard set of tents and cook fires in the long, shallow valley below Rand held some eight hundred Terrans, armored men. Nearly half were defenders of the stone in burnished breastplates and rimmed helmets, their plump coat sleeves striped black and gold. The rest were levies from a double handful of lords whose banners and pennants made a circle in the camp's center, around the silver crescent and stars of the High Lord Wiedermann. Guards stood thickly along their picket lines, as if they expected a raid against the horses any minute. Three hundred paces away, the second camp guarded their horses as tightly. The animals were a mixed lot, few approaching the fine, arch-neck stock of Tyr, and some former plow and cart horses were tied along those ropes, or Rand missed his guess. The Kyrienen numbered perhaps a hundred more than the Tarans, but their tents were fewer, and most often patched, and their banners and Khan represented some seventy-odd lords. Few Kyrienen nobles still had many retainers, and the army had broken apart early in the Civil War. The last gathering lay another five hundred paces along, full of Kyrienen for the most part, yet well and truly separated from the others by more than distance. Larger than the other pair combined, this camp held few tents or horses. It displayed no banners, and only the officers wore con. The small pennants on their backs and solid colors meant to pick them out for their men, rather than signify a house. Infantry might be necessary, but rare was the lord of Tyr or Kyrien, either one, who would admit it. Certainly none would agree to actually lead such. It was the most orderly of the camps, though, the cook fires in neat rows, the long pikes stacked upright, where they could be seized in a moment, and clusters of archers or crossbowmen dotted along the lines. According to Lan, discipline kept men alive in battle, but infantry were more likely to know it and believe than cavalry. The three groups were supposedly together, under the same command— the High Lord Wiramon had brought them in from the south late the day before, but the two camps of horsemen watched each other nearly as warily as they did the Aiel on the surrounding hills. The Tarans with a dose of contempt that the Kyrianen echoed in ignoring the third, which in turn eyed the others sullenly, Rand's followers, his allies, and as ready to fight each other as anyone else. Dark friend alert. High Lord Wiramon has brought in three contentious forces, dumped them in Rand's lap, and set them up to fail against a superior force. Wiramon's not an idiot, he's a genius, he's a dark friend, and he's betraying Rand. That's my take. But luckily, throughout this chapter, you may be right. Wiramon keeps trying to tell Rand, like, Oh, you know, I'll just get my men together and a couple of charges and those Aiel, they'll scatter like quail. And Rand doesn't tell him this, but he's like, Wiermon, you're an idiot. You stupid, stupid man. <laughs> Your 2000 cannot kill all of the Shido. Um, they'll cut you to pieces. And I think Wiermon knows that. He was around for the Aiel War. He understands the power of an Aiel force. Right? It seems like he should. And he's going to attack the Shido by himself? And he's like, well, foot will scatter. Mm, not that many. Um, so, but yeah, that's, that's my, my interpretation of Weirman. Weirman might be a bit of an idiot, but I think he's also trying to undercut Rand by basically sending all of his, you know, the core of his Terran and Kyrian and army to their deaths. 
Yeah, and in a paragraph after our read, I feel like RJ is kind of throwing us a signal when he says, um, or from Rand's perspective, The High Lord's sigil lacked only a few stars to duplicate Lanfears, but the long-nosed fellow was not her in disguise. With as many... <laughs> I highlighted that one, too, because I was like, yeah, yeah, that's... Mm. Hmm. 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 <laughs> he likes to hide little clues in his description, like the serpents over the mistress of the novices chair. Shirian. She's sitting in the chair and the back is made of carved snakes. Yeah, like fighting snakes. And you're like, hmm, just a subtle hint. <laughs> I wonder what's going on in her Why background. Why'd you pick that one? Yeah. <laughs> couple, of, couple of snakes fly, fighting. Yeah, so this this flag is definitely like probably serving land fear at this point is my guess i don't really know who he serves directly but the coincidence of the sigil it may be a little too much i'll read a little bit more about weiraman's good cover in that same paragraph he had been coming north with reinforcements from tyr when he heard that aiel were attacking the city of kyrian itself instead of turning back or sitting still he continued north as hard as his horses could stand gathering what forces he could along the way that was the good news of Wiraman. The bad was that he had fully expected to dispel the Shido around Kyrian with what he had brought. He still did. And Rand is just ignoring him over the next few pages as Wiraman is constantly like, just give me leave to attack and I'll get this done right away. I always imagine Wiraman is one of those little yappy dogs barking at Rand's heels, following him around, and Rand's just like the owner who's not disciplining him, but just ignoring him and pretending like there's no dog barking there. And you just want to be like, shut <laughs> the dog up. Do something about it. Like, either feed it, walk it, like, damn it, or just, like, put Wiraman down. He's terrible. He's an idiot. He's both an idiot and a dark friend. Sorry, I really don't want it, like Wiraman. Rand spends a little time describing the defenses. Um, he can see Avienda, who looks up and smiles at him. And Sorlea is there. Surprisingly, it was a bony white-haired woman, even older than Bear, who seemed to be taking the lead. And this is amongst a dozen wise ones and some apprentices. Rand would have expected a Mies or Bear, but even they shut up as soon as Sorlea spoke. And Melaine is there, constantly adjusting Bale's shirt as if he doesn't know how to dress himself. <laughs> she just doesn't want to stop touching him there's that there's also the like i feel like the women of the wheel of time when they're trying to convince the men of something will often like reach out and like like uh when fail is uh negotiating with parent she's often in, often straightening his coat almost like it's a nervous habit like i'm gonna fix you and i'm just gonna sort of use this as cover but like i have so my hands have something to do but i'm nervous <laughs> You know, being cutesy. They just got married like a couple of weeks ago. Wait, does Avienda actually smile at him? She smiled at him briefly before. Yeah. Wow. Oh, I was just about to post that. That's pretty Cause Knight bold of Nian her. was equally incredulous. I don't like to say this, but man, she needed to get laid. <laughs> she is relaxed so I much. A similar yeah. thought while I was reading that. Like, did she just. Did she calm down? <laughs> a lot. Well, she... and, and the real reason she calmed down is because, in a lot of ways, she's accepted that she now has toe to Elaine, and she is no longer conflicted about the fact that she will betray Elaine at some point. She's already betrayed her. She's ready to give her life to Elaine. And that's, there's a certain calmness that comes with that. That's a good point. At least now she knows. Now she's 
not struggling against. She's um, already failed. Exactly. So now she knows what she needs to do rather than uh, not really knowing what to do. But also she seems to have a much more relaxed attitude towards Rand and seems to be, you know, I mean, it's all sort of tied together, but um, I see that as, I'm trying to say this and not be dirty, a culmination of the conflicting relationship they've had. (laughs) (laughs) The tension between them has released in some way. <laughs> uh, see, I'm trying not to be dirty and it's hard. It's like impossible not to be in this situation. I like that, Nin. Yes. It was certainly a climax Jesus of the narrative. Christ. <laughs> um, moving on. She smiled at him briefly before returning to lis- listening to Soraleia. A friendly smile, but no more. That was something, he supposed. She had not lashed out at him once since what had happened between them, and as she sometimes made an acid comment, it was no sharper than what he might expect from Egwene, except the one time he had brought up marriage again. Then she had scorched his ear so thoroughly he had left it alone thereafter. I really like that Avienda's like, what do you mean got married? Like, we slept together once, <laughs> you idiot. <laughs> I'm not marrying you. <laughs> and I am not interested, thank you very much. You don't get to pick... I do. But friendly was as far as it went, though she was sometimes careless now about undressing in front of him at night. She still insisted on sleeping no more than three paces away from him. The maidens, at any rate, seemed sure there was a lot less than three paces between their blankets. <laughs> so, the maidens are still like, yeah, you guys are just uh, just uh, keeping each other company. Okay, all right. <laughs> Have a good time keeping each other company. <laughs> I'm just going to be over here washing my spear, banging on the shields. It's like, it's it's basically a frat. Like, <laughs> Devico said sex cheer squad <laughs> when they all go and like sing outside the door. <laughs> that does sound like something that would happen in college. <laughs> and he comes back and he's like half a world away and they knew? What the hell? <laughs> Yeah, except the bros are the maidens, and they're the ones that are like, yeah, get it, bro, but it's not bro. (laughs) (laughs) It's broette. Teach him to sing. So, moving back to the news that Wiramon brings from Tyr, what we're seeing is the Ilioners are actually threatening over the border, and of course Wiramon goes to dismiss it, but we all know that's part of the plot, right? Because we've overheard the Forsaken in the World of Dreams, basically making a plan to threaten Rand in order to get him to come at Samael and then be linked and take him from behind. So that's why Matt's girlfriend has the dagger with the bees on it, and that's why Samael is making advances over the border. There's a lot of things uh, coming together from those four Forsaken to tempt Rand into attacking Samael, and then they're going to set a trap from him for him. Yes. Bit of a description over the next page or so of the structure that Rand has had built, really, but I found a typo. Oh, yeah. Where? It's been a while. Here, uh, the paragraph begins, her reluctance bothered him. And this is Rand talking about, I assume he asked Egwene to help assault the walls with the power or something? Yeah, just use the power as a weapon in battle. And Moraine's like, nope. (laughs) Obviously I can't. 
Her reluctance bothered him. He had not asked Moraine. She could not use the One Power as a weapon against the Shadow, not unless they threatened her, or he managed to convince her they were all dark friends. But Egwene had not taken the Three Oaths, and he had been sure she would see the necessity. Instead, she had gone white-faced when he suggested it, and had avoided for him for three days until now, is what my book says. Uh, yeah, the digital book says it as well. Wow. And had avoided him for three days. There's an extra four in there. Hey, Tour Publishing, are you listening to this? <laughs> no, they're not. Well, you never know. Shouldn't they, like, I know programs have, like, bug hunters where they'll give you a reward if you find, like, a, a, a bug in software. Shouldn't publishers have, like, a typo reward where you can, like, report typos and make, like, a buck after every typo? Yo, if you give me a th- full set of hardbacks, I'll find every typo in there. <laughs> For that, I would do just about anything. <coughs> Oh, excuse me. I'm still recovering from the flu. I think I'm finally over it. That took me a long time to get rid of that cough. Oh, I still have a cough, but that's it. I feel fine otherwise. No, that that was like, I think up until like a, a week ago I had that cough, and I was sick on Christmas, so that was a solid... Yeah, it's like three weeks. Yeah, solid three weeks of coughing. But I can finally take a deep breath again, so yay! <laughs> it, it too can happen for you. Oh, you know, just after what I read, I wanted to ask you and everyone about this. I'll read a little more. Thrusting the piece of spear through his belt, he put foot to the first rung, and Moraine spoke. Why are you wearing a sword again? The last question he would have expected. Why shouldn't I? He muttered, and scrambled upward. I have my answer. Do you know why? No, why does she say that? He wants to kill Gulladin himself. He wants to fight Gulladin one-on-one in a sword battle. And he started carrying a sword again so he could take him on. But he's had the sword. I mean, it was being rebuilt. like. But he wasn't wearing it. Yeah. And so presumably today is the first day he put a sword back on. And there's some evidence for that later on in, I believe, the next chapter. I don't really understand. Moraine knows he's going into battle. Why wouldn't he wear a sword? Because he can channel. And he's like, he's, he's been using the flame sword this whole time mm-hmm. ever since the end of the great hunt when his father's sword melted and so we're talking you know dragon reborn that's true shadow rising here yeah until we talked about it i i hadn't thought of it but he hasn't had a sword for quite some time until avianda gives him one yeah and he's been training with one but i don't think he's been really carrying one and moraine's also pointing out like because basically later on when He's proposing, hey, I'm going to go into battle. And she's like, no, you're going to do more good channeling. And he's like, but I want to go into battle. And she's like, you can't fight him yourself. And he's like, fine. And that's, yeah. and that's why, and, and, and that connects with why he was wearing the sword again. And that comes, that comes back together. And of course, Ray, you know, of course we know Matt's the one who accidentally runs into him despite trying to get the fuck away as best he can. <laughs> the entire battle just keeps pointing him back at Kooladin until they just sort of run into each other and he's like, well, I can't let him carve a hole through me, so... Only one way out of this. Yep. But yeah, Rand wanted to face Kooladin face-to-face and put a fucking sword in him because he is pissed off. Like, this is one of the things that I don't think is necessarily conveyed in his POV. He is so angry at Kooladin. He had this plan, it was going perfectly, he was going to be the Karakarn, he was going to bring back the Aiel, he was going to take over the lands and bring together, and this freaking Kooladin 
steps in, splits the Aiel, destroys the legend of the Karakarn, splits that, creates a place for the Brotherless to go, and totally ruins everything that Rand wants to do. Not necessarily ruins, but, I mean, threatens all of his plans. Really makes it a lot more difficult, yeah. A lot more difficult, and which is threatening the whole fate of the world, because if Rand can't unite the world against in time for the last battle, they're going to lose. And so, like, Rand, Rand, this is a little personal for Rand. I like it. He can't kill Asmodian. He can't kill Lanfear. But God damn it, he can kill Kool'dan. He can try. It's also why he wears himself out during this battle. On the broad platform, at the top, two short, sweating young men in shirt sleeves were setting a brass-bound wooden tube, three paces long and bigger around than either's arm, on a pivoting frame fastened to the railing. An identical tube already sat a few paces away, where it had been almost since the tower was completed the day before. And we see the kind of master yelling at his apprentices as, as they set up the equipment. Um, but these are telescopes. Really, really simple ones. I think they're just literally two lenses in a row. Polished so like glass. modern not modern telescopes, yeah. totally. Modern telescopes use mirrors to sort of extend the size of the telescope internally. And so these are so big because they can only really use two lenses. And so they're just a tube with a lens at each end. Um, which requires a much, much bigger telescope than anything modern telescopes do. Robert Jordan really likes this guy's name because he put it in the title. Kin Tavir. I also really like that the master tells Rand, Give me time, and I'll make you one to see Camelin from here. If the tower is built high enough, he added judiciously, there are limits. And that has everything to do with the curvature of the Earth, which is really cool. Also, another instance where a name is the same as either a species or a people, right? Because we had, what was the Sean Chan animal that was also a guy's name? But here we have the kin, and then kin Tovir. Animal is Lopar. Lopar has both the name of a character and of an animal, and now we have kin, which is the name of a person and of a group. Oh yeah, Lopar. Who now always, well, that word always makes me think of Lopen. Very different. <laughs> From Stormlight. Hey, he's the Lopen. <laughs> So what, what, what do you do with a one on Hardasian? <laughs> yeah, you got to include the in the Lopen. The Lopen. There's no Lopen. <laughs> Lopen, yes. Rand sends the master and his apprentices away, and the... Oh, gosh, we ripped right through this chapter. And so that Lan and some of the clan and Sep chiefs who are with Rand right now can survey the battlefield and have a discussion about it. I like his observation that those boys are, like, probably know more about the world than he does in some ways. Yeah. And and that's actually, he makes that point uh, after the last battle when he's like, yeah, I've seen some palaces and been in some battles, but, like, I've not seen much of the world. Yeah. Like, I've had experiences no one else has had, but I haven't had experiences that most other people who've lived in, being anonymous in a city is an experience that Rand has almost never had. He gets to go be uh, an anonymous king afterwards, which is cool. And we see that the legendary topless towers were still being rebuilt after their burning in the Aiel War. They're about to be burned again. We don't need no water. Let the motherfucker burn. Burn, topless towers. We don't need no water. Let the topless towers burn. When last he had seen the city, another city had surrounded it from riverbank to riverbank. Forgate. A rabbit warren, as raucous as Kyrian was solemn, all in wood. Now, 
Only a wide stretch of ash and charred timbers bordered the walls. How that fire had been kept from spreading into Kyrian himself, he could not understand. Uh, remember Forgate when Rand went through it back in Eye of the yeah. World? When, when we were young podcasters just starting out on our journey. <laughs> and now it's all burned to the ground. Rand has a decent question, but the foregate goes right up to the walls of Kyrian, which are very tall and made out of rocks. So, I mean, I could kind of see how that fire didn't spread. Yeah, I, I don't have any theories or ideas on that one. Just, it's, it's yeah, a wall. that's what I figure. People worked hard to make sure it didn't spread. Unless anyone has evidence otherwise, I'd love to see it. The only thing I want to say is uh, Rand isn't sure whether the torching of the granaries had led to the riots, or the riots led to the torching of the granaries. And again, we can go back and be like, well, actually, it was Tom. Yeah, actually, under the cover of the granaries being torched, Tom assassinated the king, which led to various factions battling for the throne, and nobody won. Why were the why were the granaries fired? Who did that? Wasn't they? Wasn't it someone undercutting one of the lords for money because, like, Rand was talking about trading grain or something like that? Oh, God, man, I can't believe I, I don't remember this. But I remember it was pretty subtle. I'm not sure I recall either. Somehow I remember the fire was Rand's fault. That's all I'm saying. It's always Rand's fault back then, where he's just, like, traveling through and, like, Tavir and twisting everything. There were riots happening and stuff. No, Tom didn't torch the granaries, but Tom did assassinate the king under the cover of the riots and the granaries being fired. Tom was also very upset in the moment, and I can't remember why. He was pissed. His girlfriend was killed. Oh, yes, yes, that's right. Tom killed the king because he believed that the king had sent assassins after him, who... Instead of finding him, found his girlfriend, which begins with the letter D. Delana? Diana? Was, is that right? No. I thought it had an L in it. Deanna. Thanks. It. Oh, wow. That's exactly what Devico wrote, just differently. <laughs> just with different letters. Oh, because I read Diana, not Deanna. A number of burned-out hulks dotted both banks of the wide river, but none lay close to the city. Aiel had an uneasiness, fear might be too strong a word, about bodies of water they could not step across or wade, but Kuladin had managed to put barriers of floating logs across the Alguenya, both above and below Kyrian, along with enough men to see that they were not cut. Fire arrows had done the rest. Nothing except rats and birds could get into or out of Kyrian without Kuladin's leave. The hills around the city showed little sign of a besieging army, here and there, vultures flapped heavily, no doubt feasting on the remains of some attempt to break out, but no Shido were visible. Aiel seldom were, unless they wanted to be. Wait. Rand swung the looking-glass back to a treeless hilltop, perhaps a mile from the city walls, back to a cluster of men. He could not discern faces, or much else aside from the fact that they all wore the cadence sore. One thing more. One of those men had bare arms. Kuladin. Rand was sure it must be his imagination, but he thought that when Kuladin moved he could see sunlight glittering off the metallic scales and circling the man's forearms in imitation of his own. As Modian had put those there, just an attempt to divert Rand's attention, to occupy him, while Asmodian worked his own plans. But without that, how much would have turned out differently? Certainly, 
he would not be standing on this tower, watching a besieged city and awaiting a battle. Suddenly, something streaked through the air on that distant hilltop, a long blur, and two of the men there went down thrashing, staring at the fallen men, both apparently transfixed with the same spear. Cooladin and the others seemed as stunned as Rand. Twisting the looking-glass, Rand scanned for the man who had thrown with such force. He had to be brave, and a fool to get close enough. Rand's search widened quickly, beyond any possible range of a human arm. He was beginning to think of Ogier. Not likely. It took a great deal to rouse an Ogier into violence. When another streaking blur caught his eye, startled, he half-straightened before jerking the glass back to Kyrian's walls. That spear, or whatever it was, had come from there. He was certain of it. How was another matter entirely. At this distance, it was all he could do to make out an occasional someone moving on the walls or atop a tower. Raising his head, Rand found Ruark just stepping away from the other looking glass, giving up his place to Han. That was the whole reason for the tower and the glasses. Scouts brought back what word they could of how the Shido were deployed, but this way the chiefs could see for themselves the terrain on which the battle would be fought. They had worked out a plan between them already, but one more look at the land could never go amiss. Rand did not know much about battles, but Land thought their plan a good one. At least, Rand did not know much in his own mind. Sometimes those other memories crept in, and then he seemed to know more than he wanted. Did you see that? Those spears? Ruark looked as puzzled as Rand knew he himself must, but the Aiel nodded. The last took another Shido, but he crawled away. Not cool at him. Worse luck. He gestured to the looking glass, and Rand let him take his place. Was it such bad luck? Kuladin's death would not end the threat to Kyrien, or to anywhere else. Now, they were this side of the Dragon Wall. The Shido would not tamely return just because the man they thought was the true Karakarn died. It might well shake them, but not enough for that. And after all Rand had seen, he did not think Kuladin deserved so easy a way out. I can be as hard as I must, he thought, stroking his sword hilt. For him, I can. Very dark. A couple of spears through a couple of uh, Shido standing on the hill. Miss Kuladin a bit. And so do you know where those spears come from? A siege engine of some kind. Well, not a siege engine, I guess. A scorpion. Uh, but do you know who made it? Uh, it's a woman in the school that he founded. So here, this is going to... Ch- that he will found, right? That makes sense to me, that he founds it once he takes the city. Okay. So I'm reading ahead, and there's a woman in the school... So I'm going to read this. Yet another hour each day was given to a strange school he had founded, inviting not only scholars but craftsmen, from some fellow who made looking glasses to a woman who constructed some sort of huge crossbow with pulleys that could hurl a spear a mile. Yeah, a scorpion. And I think that's the the scorpion, yeah. Um, But this is after the battle. This is chapter 49. 
So it's interesting because the fellow who makes looking glasses, isn't that Ken Tovier? And isn't this, it's, it's just an odd little, just a thought. I wonder if those are the same people. I think I think so. And uh, one of the reasons I thought it might make sense that he founds the school after the siege of Kyrian um, is because he gets exposed to these. He has the looking glasses made on top of the big platform, and he sees how useful that is. And while he's using them, he sees these scorpions, which are also incredibly useful. I just uploaded a picture of a kid in a backyard that built one. And there's... Yeah, tiny ballista. And you can scale them out. You could keep making them bigger and bigger. But it's my understanding that these types use rope tension. So each of those rods at the top of the mechanism is... You can kind of see at the tip top where there's these little pieces of wood that you can move, that you can turn to continue Mm -hmm. putting... So there's several pieces of rope all wrapped around each other. And the more you turn it, the more tension you put on that rod. So you set your bolt, pull that string down, and then you turn those things for like 20 minutes and you put an incredible amount of force in there. And then if you just pull the trigger, it's all released at once. So it's basically a massive crossbow. Yeah, that's all it is. It's a giant crossbow. It's, I mean, it uses a little bit different way of making the force. Mm -hmm. Whereas a crossbow is just like the bending. This uses the rope tension. I think a scorpion actually might be a, something different. It's like that. It works the same way, but it's. Uh, I think it might only have one arm. <laughs> Sounds a bit like our conversation about Avienda and Rand earlier. <laughs> yeah, oh, Jesus. <sighs> well, that tension got released, so. <laughs> yeah. Enough about flying spears, huh? <laughs> I mean, it wasn't as bad as the chapter called The Short Spear. I'll tell you what, that one was, <laughs> that was just nothing but innuendo. Oh, God. And then at the end, she's like, well, that's not going to happen again. Oh, yeah. I think about that sometimes. Wow, brutal. Okay. Oh, because I'm used to that. I, I hear that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, rough. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Wheel of Time Spoilers podcast. Rate us in the Apple Podcast app or support us on Patreon. Is that good enough? Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.